We've been in a series called A Thrill of Hope. We looked at hope for our past, hope for our present. Today we're looking at hope for our future. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read verses 18 through 25. Finish, finish the story we began last week. Let's read it together. Matthew writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and named him Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. And as we consider the question, how can we have hope for our future? I pray that you would remind us of your goodness and grace throughout the centuries. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We all have uh, Christmas traditions. Every one of us have a various sort of tradition that you stick with with your family. That might be um, watching your favorite Christmas movie, uh, putting, as you put your ornaments on your tree, you know, playing your favorite Christmas music, driving around, looking at lights, whatever it might be. Uh, we have Christmas traditions in our house. One of those, which is my favorite and Marcy's favorite for sure, is we do Waffle House every Christmas Eve night. Right, honey, your favorite? I'm just kidding. It's the, it's the one time a year I could drag Marcy into a Waffle House. She loves the tradition. Uh, she's not a huge fan of Waffle House, uh, but I am. And so uh, this is one of our traditions we do. Now, not only do we have Christmas traditions, we also have Christian traditions that are more Christian in nature, things that we do as families. This might be going and attending a Christmas Eve candlelight service together as a family. It might be waking up on Christmas morning and reading the nativity with your family or gathering with your family over dinner to celebrate the faithfulness of God to your life. We can all agree that traditions are important. They're important to us. They're important to our families. We want to provide a tradition for our own children to grow up and remembering the traditions that we had so that we might pass along to our kids faithfulness, God's faithfulness from generation to generation. You know, remembrance is this idea we're talking about here. And remembrance has always been the way of God's people. As I think about the Old Testament, I think about Exodus 12, the night of the Passover. This is what Moses says, this day is to be a memorial for you and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? You are to reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the house of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and he spared our homes. So the people knelt low and they worshiped. This is a tradition they taught their children in order to remind them of God's faithfulness, God's salvation to bring them out of slavery into 
freedom. This reminded Israel of who led them out of slavery and who they were to follow and obey and worship. All these things, oftentimes you see God's leaders reminding God's people of these things. Reminding God's people of don't forget who saved you. Don't forget who led you out. The prophets say you have forgotten these things. Oftentimes it's important for us to know that it's in our remembering that helps drive our future. That remembering helps us to go forward into the future. And as I think about 2020, man, 2020 has been a ride for all of us. All of us have experienced inconveniences, disrupted plans, difficulty in whatever way you may have experienced difficulty this year, unexpected realities of a year that we could not foresee coming, but that God knew. And as we think about next year, like what could happen next year? Like, could it possibly get any worse? Well, yeah. The Bible tells us it's, it's going to get worse. But the future isn't always bright. And God's people always go through suffering. God never removes them from suffering. They always go through it. So we don't know what's to come in 2021. I'm hopeful for a better year in my own worldview. But at the same time, I know that God's perspective is much different. So that's the question I want to ask for us today. How can we have hope for our future? By looking at the past, I want us to see how we can find hope for what's to come. And I really want to pull out of this text two verses, verses 22 and 23. Verses 22 and 23 in Matthew 1 say this. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, that is Isaiah. Isaiah said this. Verse 23 says, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. It's sometimes easier to understand a passage by concluding what this does not mean. Like, what does this uh, text teach us about God? When you hear that name Emmanuel, when you see God is with us, there's really three things that kind of strike me. What it does not mean is that, oh, I'm sorry, what it does mean is that God is not distant. Think about that. God is with us. This means the creator of the world isn't distant. He is with us. He's present with us. It does not mean that God is not uninterested in us. No, God is very interested in us. We learn that God is interested in us. And then we also learn that God is not unloving. Think about this, that God would come to be with those that willfully rebelled in sin, those who willfully daily sin, those who willfully fight for number one. God in his love for us came to live among us. He came to be with us. He came to save us. Really, here's the main point I want us to get today. Future hope is found in the assurance of God's presence with his people. Future hope, how we can have hope for our future is in the assurance that we go forward not as people who are alone, but as people who have the presence of God with us. Really, there's four things, four reasons we have hope in our future because of God's presence. First thing is this, God promised he would come for us and he did. 
we remind ourselves that God promised he would come and he did come. God promised the Messiah would be, would, would be from the seed of the woman. You go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and where Adam and Eve willfully welcome sin, but you get to Genesis 3.15, just three chapters in, and it says God punishes the snake and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He says there's coming a person who one day you will strike his heel but he will crush your head for good. The beginning of the Bible, God promises Jesus Christ would come to, do, to deal a death blow to Satan, sin, and all of the enemies. This is good news for us. We read about it in the Bible. He tells Abraham that through him the nations would be blessed. Jesus accomplishes God's purpose to bless all the peoples. Think about this, and as this is why Jesus is called the son of Abraham. This is why we read the genealogies, is because they point us to the reality that Jesus goes all the way back. He is the seed of Abraham, and he is the seed of the woman who would crush Satan's head. The Psalms tell us that the Messiah would be called God's son, but the, he'd be the righteous sufferer. He would be forsaken and pierced, but ultimately vindicated. Psalm 22 tells us that he would be the righteous sufferer, then resurrected, Psalm 16. Isaiah said that he would be born of a virgin, he would do redemptive deeds, he would be the great light and be the suffering servant. Zechariah tells us that the Messiah would come riding on a donkey, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and would be pierced. All these things written hundreds and hundreds of years before because God promised to deal with it. He promised he would come and he has. The Old Testament has been working towards the arrival of the promised king, pointing us to this continual seed that would endure and a, a son from the seed of David who would sit on his throne forever. And this is Jesus. All the stories of the Old Testament written across hundreds of years find the, their fulfillment in the first pages of the New Testament. Today we live with this fact that God keeps his promises. That everything that's been said in the Bible has or will come true. This Bible right here is the word of God. The Bible you are holding on your lap or looking at on your phone. The words in it contain the very words of God. If there's one thing you can stake your whole life on, your whole future on, it is God's word. We're to live by it, to align our lives according to it, to treat it as a mirror when we look into it and change our lives based on what it says. God keeps his word so we can count on him. Because he came for us and he said he would and he did. Secondly, you can have hope for our future because God promised he would save us and he has. God promised he would save us and he has. Jesus came to save his people from their sin. What's the whole point of the incarnation? The whole point of the incarnation is redemption. That God came to redeem that which was broken. That word redemption means the action of being saved or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Another definition is the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Our lives of sin were stacked up before a holy God. We were guilty. He was holy. We were broken, separated from him. 
But God saw it and he came to wipe away all of our debt. He came to purchase us back from sin and death. He came to make us clean, to give us new life, to give us a new relationship, to redeem us from the pit of hell, the Bible says, and to seat us on a throne. God came to save us. And for many in this room, he has. Romans 5, 8, God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God came here to save you for his glory. To glorify himself, you're saved today. We, are, we were part of the reason for the incarnation. Our sin had separated us from God, from his presence. But in Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord is salvation is what that means. In Jesus, we are saved from sin, resulting in now God being with us. If you're in Christ, he is with you today. This is good news. We have, have hope because God promised he would save us. Third, We can have hope for our future because God promised he would return for us and he will. We don't often think about this too often, but the Bible tells us that yes, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus at Christmas time, but there is a second coming of Jesus, a time in which Jesus will return to reign on earth and we will go forward with him while he's here. Our king is coming, Matthew 16. For the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father, And then he will reward each according to what he has done. God in his own time, in his own way, will bring the world to its appropriate end. And according to his promise, Jesus will return personally and visibly in glory to earth. And the dead will be raised. Now we don't talk about resurrection all too much here. But we can't miss this. Resurrection is part of the deal. It's the good news of our future that our sinful broken bodies are dwindling while on earth. But we have the Spirit of God in us and we have an eternity to come, a heaven for our soul. And one day our bodies will be raised and our souls will be rejoined with new bodies. We have evidence of this in the scripture. Elijah raises someone from the dead. Elijah raises someone from the dead. Lazarus is raised from the dead. Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead. Even when Jesus is resurrected, in Matthew 27, it says, the tombs were opened and many of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went to the holy city and appeared to many. Imagine being in that day when Jesus is resurrected. Others are resurrected. And if you're living there and you're like, what in the world am I watching right now? We have evidence of what will come one day. Romans 8.23 says, not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies We feel the brokenness in our bodies of sin. Yet while we have the Spirit of God in us, we yearn for freedom. We yearn for a holy life that one day we'll have in the new heavens and new earth. This is the good news of our future hope. Do you have hope in the eternal life today? Do you have this hope that this world is rotting away? Think about this. The world is rotting away and the Bible says at the end of the age, God will make a new heaven, a new earth where we have resurrected bodies with no sin, no disease, no death. And we're able to live like we have it today without the brokenness that we have. 
for eternity. But while we're here on earth, we only have 50 years, 60 years, 70, 80, maybe 41. And all that while we're here, this world, the Bible says, is a shadow. And we're to be living every moment for God's glory and his mission. See, Christian, we got to remember that Christmas is more than just recognition of the birth of Jesus. It's the recognition of the mission of Christ. If there was no mission, there would be no death and resurrection. There really would be no God with us. We would look and say, well, God was with them, but that was it. Through the Bible, death, resurrection is part of the deal for Jesus. It was part of the story to redeem us, that God has prepared a way for him to be truly with us. This leads me to number four. We can have hope for our future because God promised he would be with us, and he is. He promised to be with us, and he is with us. Notice what the temptation is in both Mary and Joseph's life. Look with me at Luke 1 on, on what the angel says to Mary. One thirty. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And we look at Matthew 1, verse 20 for Joseph. After he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Notice the condition, the temptation in both of their hearts around the future was fear. Angel says to Mary, don't be fearful. You have found favor with God. You have nothing to fear. He says to Joseph, don't be fearful what they might say or your future. No, no, what's been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit and God's gonna let you lead the Savior of the world as his father. That's our good news. Isn't fear the disposition of so many of our hearts today? Fear of the unknown, fear of the what ifs, fear of what might happen if I leave my house, what might happen if I do this or if, I do that. We live as though what happens to us is dependent on us. Instead of living in the faith to know that God is working all things, that God is in control, that God is sovereign. This doesn't mean we live with some sort of reckless abandonment. Not at all. This means we don't, we don't allow ourselves to be captivated by fear. We have this evidence that God came to dwell with them. He was with us in Emmanuel. This means Jesus, while he walked the earth for 33 years with his disciples, he walked with them. But then Jesus dies and is buried and is resurrected. And after his resurrection and before his ascension, he says this in Matthew 28, Jesus came near and he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Spirit, Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Could you imagine me and the disciples? All right, Jesus, you say, if we follow you, then we're headed to death. Pick up your cross, follow you. We're going with you. We're going with you. We're by your side, Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey guys, I'm about to be ascended to heaven. Good luck. What? These guys... These guys are sitting here going, Gee, where are you going, Jesus? We're, you're supposed to be ushering in the kingdom. And Jesus says, I'm going to sit on my throne. You brothers will be the ones who flip the world upside down. And don't be afraid. Listen, huddles them up. I just imagine the scenes. He huddles them up and says, hey, guys, listen. I am with you always to the end of the age. 
this huddling, this coach moment. And maybe today you need to be reminded that God is with you. Not only is he with us here in this moment, he is ascended to heaven. And after his ascension, he pours out his Holy Spirit and fills those who repent of their sin and trust in Jesus. You see, I want to remind you this morning, when God wrote the book, when he spoke of his son coming to be born and to die and to be raised, he made sure to get the point across. He is interested in you. He loves you. He came for you. He came to fill you and he has your future insight. All for his glory. Whatever might lie ahead for you in 2021, we can rest knowing that God is in control. And let's just be honest, this Christmas is different for some of you. For many of you, this is a Christmas of firsts. This is your first time without a loved one. They died this year, a family member or a friend, a friend, a sister, a father, a mother. First Christmas without them. Maybe it's your first Christmas without a job, with uncertainty coming around the corner. The only hope we have is to think God knows what he's doing. God keeps his promises. He said he would come. He said he would save. He said he would return. He said he'd be with me. And I have to believe he is. Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. What good news. There is no time where God has not been present with his people. No time, no moment in which God has not been president, uh, present dwelling with those he has saved. That God has been with you in your past. That God has been with you this year. That he is with you today and he will be with you into the new year. Maybe you felt fearful this year or are you fearful now or fearful of the future. We can rest in God's presence because future hope is found in the assurance of our creator and our redeemer's presence with his people i'm going to ask i'm going to invite pastor Stewart to come up to lead us in communion today but before we go there i want to ask you three diagnostic questions three questions before we take communion and here they are first am i living in fear of what might come or hope of what will come. I don't know what might come and I don't want to be captivated by what might come, but I know what is to come, God's plans, God's purposes, God's providence and God's goodness. I can rest ensured those things. I don't know what it might mean for our family, but at the end of the day, and no matter the circumstance, I can look up and say, God, I know you're working all things together for your glory and my good. Secondly, am I living with an eternal perspective or a temporary perspective? What defines your outlook on this earth? Eternity or temporal? And then third, really the, the one I want to lay on our hearts before we take communion today, where do I need to repent? And what do I need to surrender today? Where do I need to repent? Do you need to repent of fear? Repent of anger? bitterness of what didn't come? Maybe you need to surrender your finances to the Lord. Surrender your future to the Lord. 
Surrender your whole life and believe the gospel for the first time this Christmas season. Surrender your past. Surrender your present. Surrender your marriage. Surrender those sins that just keep clinging to you, that outlook. What is God calling you to as you move out of 2020 and into 2021?